0: Started. Good evening, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the stem cell podcast that is sweeping the nation here on MediVet Roundtable. I have a great guest with me this evening. It's uh, Dr. Peter Gianellis from Mount Anthony Veterinary Hospital in, in Vermont. Uh, he's been partnered with us for, I want to say, what? what's it been, uh, a year, year and a half, two years? I think it's been almost three. It's been, almost uh, three, almost it's up- three. February 2017 Gotcha gotcha time flies. well he's been partnered with us for about three years now, so welcome Dr. Gianellis, Ellis and uh, thank you for joining us
1: well thank you
0: thank you for having me yeah, yeah for sure. sure and also have the stem cell guru himself, Dr. Larry Snyder <laughs> on the call with us I'm'm I'm just a I'm just the stem cell nerd, please <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, Dr. Uh, Dr. Ellis came prepared with, with a couple of cases to discuss, but before we get into the nitty-gritty of the, of the stem cell cases, Dr. Ellis, if you could just give us some background on yourself and your practice up there in Vermont. Sure. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I'm a,
1: a born and bred Vermonter. I was born in Bennington, Vermont, and uh, always had a, a dream to be a veterinarian, so I studied real hard, um, went to Tufts Veterinary School went to a small college before that in, in Maine. And then in uh, 1987, I graduated from Tufts Veterinary. Uh, I was a mixed animal practitioner for a year. So I, and I went right out into my own the next year. So I started my practice Mount Anthony Veterinary Hospital in 1988. And uh, it was pretty, pretty tough in the beginning because, you know, uh, it was a mixed animal practitioner and I would have to work around the clock. Um, practice grew the large animal, um, actually kind of went away in the area so then I focused on small animals so and to this year we are 30 going on our 31st year here so been around for a while it doesn't seem that long though doesn't seem
0: that long <laughs> that's awesome so uh, how, how did you come across Medivet I know we just talked about you know you've been partnered with us for about three years now what made you come across Medivet how did you become a partner with us <laughs>
1: Well, what I've, been, what I've been seeing in practice for years, I'm also, uh, I still play baseball and I love sports and, so I, and I love orthopedics. So um, I was always looking at, um, you know, alternative ways to treat arthritis, to treat uh, injuries. Um, we, we've done a lot of work with large breed dogs, which, you know, when they get to be about eight, nine, 10, they start to exhibit a lot of symptoms. So we've, we've done a lot of stuff like adiquan um we use an incredible nutraceutical which has a lot of msm and vitamin c and vitamin e but we were finding that we were you know at some point you know we just have to euthanize these dogs so when i think i heard about medivet in just in one of the meetings or you know i go to a lot of meetings but um and then said wow that's just a great idea and i wanted to be part of it and so I actually was proactively just kind of looked you guys up and just jumped in and I think I think you guys were started in like 2016 correct me if I'm wrong and I and I got on board in 2017.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've been around technically we we were started in uh, in 2010. Um but ah, on with right. us in 2017. I mean, we've really done some some great stuff here in the last couple of years. And I know Dr. Snyder can speak to that as well as far as how we've how we've grown over the last two, three years since 2017. So you partnered with us at the right time, Dr. Gianelis. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely. So how's your experience been with us? Can you speak to the support that you were given at the on, through the onboarding process? case selection. I mean, how's your experience been with Medivet Biologic so far? Uh, it's been excellent. Um, you know,
1: you guys had uh, some training, They had a gentleman come out and train with us. Um, I think he has moved on from your company, but um, he was great, um, provided a lot of support for us. Uh, we haven't done the marketing support yet that you guys have offered. But basically, we're we're gearing up to do that. We're very close to Albany, New York. So there's and there's nobody in the Albany area who's doing their own stem cell work. There are some practices who are harvesting fat and sending it out to the West Coast and having stem cells sent back. But uh, you know that's that's a lot of that's a lot of handling and um, you know a lot of those cells are most likely going to die. But um, we just thought it was a great idea, um, and um, we're we're very happy we did it.
0: So, can you talk about one of the cases that you're going to bring up to us tonight? I think the one that you and I discussed a couple weeks ago that really piqued my interest was the, the case of Sweet Pea in the, in the ACL tear.
1: Yeah. Well, this is a dog that uh, came to me. Um, this couple uh, were property managers. Um, they had, uh, they managed a, a gentleman's property in Long Island in the summer and in Londonderry, Vermont, the tea Country. In the winter. Okay, so so this dog presented with us in 2016, and we repaired his right ACL with surgery, and then in the dog went back to Long Island, was running on the uh, the beach. Also, in the interim, we diagnosed a uh, nerve root signature in the uh, red right around uh, T3 thoracic three, thoracic four. The dog used to have some significant uh, right front lameness. Uh, we were able to diagnose a narrow disc space, treat it with prednisone, that, that got better. The dog also has hip dysplasia. So the dog is a 10-year-old born, and let me just see here, um, May of 2010. So six and seven years of age, the dog was developing problems with her, with his knees. So after we'd done the first one, um, the, the following season they came in, uh, in the fall, back, back up to Vermont, excuse me, up to Vermont. And uh, the other knee had torn, which is obviously uh, very common. So then we had been doing stem cells and we offered them the stem cell therapy. So they were very excited because the dog had other problems, uh, including the hip dysplasia, the spinal spinal stenosis and or nerve root signature, whatever you want to call it. Um, and basically we, we did uh, perform stem cells and we injected that animal's Knee. We did we did the surgical knee as well. We actually uh, injected the hips, and then we went IV uh, with the rest of our sample. We normally get about four and a half cc's of sample. So the dog actually did really well, um, and but it didn't totally. So that was in October of that year, and then didn't totally recover. And by May, they were heading back to Long Island. They were going to be on the beach. They decided that. Um, You know, we always said this is like new frontier for us. You know, we don't know if this is going to work. Um, So basically we said, if the dog isn't right, then we'll just put some nylon in there for you and and that'll be good. I've had very good success with the nylon technique. I'm pretty good at it. So uh, I I have no issues with it. They all do very well. Um, But basically this dog, we decided to go back in. We were assuming that this didn't work. But when the dog presented for surgery, that the, there was a really positive, pronounced anterior draw sign. When we got the dog back in May, to um, you know, say saying that okay, the ACL didn't didn't repair, and we've got to go back in. There was was a mild anterior draw, so there was definitely some crazy feelings there. It didn't seem right. It seemed like something did happen. So we opened up the knee. When we got in there, we were completely amazed. Um, we could visualize an actual glistening ACL ligament. It was it was actually normal and looked repaired. It was glistening. It was not an ACL problem. What we found <laughs> was what's was called a periarticular fibrosis in the uh, trochlear ridge in the tro- in the right in the right in where the patella tracks. So it was like a little growth in there that was actually causing the problem. We removed the growth and the dog has been phenomenal ever since. And so really um, I haven't seen them this year because they didn't come up, but um, that's that was the case that really kind of made a believer out of us with with stem cells. That is cool. That's yeah. a cool story. That's yep. great. You know, that's we did we you know, we did do the uh, histopath on the on the on the growth and all that sort of stuff, so able to document that. So pretty cool stuff.
2: Absolutely, I know that uh, I know that Dr. Maurer had had a similar thing, and he noticed the noticed the the, the same thing with the regrowth. It's it's really great that you. Uh, I, I I hate to say that for the dogs from the dog standpoint of going right. back into the into the uh, joint, but my gosh, that's that's fantastic to see the the regrowth. You actually
1: can- yeah. And, and so, like, I was gung ho with a lot of ACLs. We've had a couple that didn't, and you know, we don't have a scope. I went to uh, Sherman Knapp uh, sports medicine and uh, regenerative medicine seminars out in the uh, Uquendo Center uh, last, let's see, in 2017. I actually did that in May, and we did all the injections and all that stuff. But you know, he was hes a board certified orthopedic surgeon, so he has all the toys, we don't, we don't have an arthroscope in our practice, so but he, what he told me is that he goes into a lot of knees um, first, before he does stem cells, just by just a quick scope, and part of it's his research too, but um, you know, he just wants to take a look, and what he's finding is that the shredded, the shredded ACLs are taking up the stem cells, he thinks, in a better way versus the clean tears, um, so interesting. And, I, and that could be going on with what we have here, you know.
0: Question and for 30, my- Dr. Uh, Dr. Gianellis. When you do extra capsular, do you open the joint to check the meniscus and clean it up?
1: Yes, always. And uh, we also, you know, use a ronjour and clean up all the arthritis that we see and all that sort of stuff.
0: Okay, gotcha. Question for uh, Dr. Snyder just popped up. Uh, is the regrowth, in the regrowth of the ligament, can it happen even if it's a total tear?
2: I think that's that's exactly that's exactly what Peter saw. I think on uh, on the dog he was describing, and I think that Roger had said the same thing. I know that most of the most of the dogs that Dr. Rovner has been talking about doing, I'm sure, are are, are total tears. Um, so I absolutely think that a that a complete tear, certainly like like um, uh, Dr. Gian Ellis was saying, uh, always inject the that uh, contralateral leg. That knee yeah. as well, just to, just to uh, uh, have a little bit of, of uh, um, insurance. Would that be a, a good term? Yeah. A little insurance there, but yeah, I think total tears. I think they're well within what we're going to see. I, you know, we just keep hearing more and more people. If Dr. Bird's on tonight, I know that he's done just a um, um, a lot of a lot of knees. Dr. Rovner and uh, total tears. Uh, I think we're well on the way to to seeing the the uh, cruciate tears. This being the gold standard for cruciate tears. I know that a lot of a lot of orthopedic surgeons are not going to be happy with that, but I I really think it's going to be a an excellent right. thing for the dogs. Right. Dr.
0: Gianellis. What is uh what, what's your post-procedural uh, protocol? Any exercise restrictions after the injections? Do You send the pet owners home with some literature, or how how, how do you go about that?
1: Well, um, you know, we're not, uh, we don't have any, um, you know, rehab facilities close to us. We're rural, rural a rural practice. And so, and then also we're in a very kind of economically depressed area. So we will send them home with some restrictions for the first couple of weeks so that they just aren't pounding and pounding and creating all sorts of inflammation, trying to get the stem cells some, you know, time to do their thing, so to speak. Uh, that's about two weeks worth of like, like leash walk restrictions, um, and then we basically let let them bring bring the animals on the naturally the way they normally would. Um, and a lot of people work, you know, so there's not a lot of time for them. And um, so that's just how we do it. It's it's not uh, it's not elaborate. So. Sure.
2: I think that speaks, uh, uh, Dylan. I think that speaks to, uh, um, you know, we've we've always been, and I've kind of been concerned about. About the follow-up care, I think these 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 dogs. I think this is a pretty durable durable
0: repair from from uh, yeah. what we're yeah. hearing. Yeah, it seems like it from what I'm hearing as well. And if you if you think about, I think Dr. England brought this point up. I think she's telling her pet owners get yourself a tub and fill it with water, and it doesn't hurt to do a little uh, a little uh, water exercise yeah. in the backyard every yeah. day. Yeah, just get creative yeah. with it.
1: Some of our clients are just really into doing some own, some of their own PT. They'll do some passive uh, flexion range, and, of motion. extension, a little bit of you know steps and stairs, and you know just kind of work the animals the way they they think they should. You know, some some of our clients do that.
0: Sure. Have you ever tried PRP only with stem cell, or excuse me, without stem cell in, a, in an ACL? Um, nope, I haven't. Not on an ACL. Um, I've
1: tried some PRP in a couple of cases. I think I might have shared that with you. Yep. um and it was a shorter duration so you know some folks just didn't the, the folks that we did it with were not quite as you know excited about it because they were hoping for a little bit more duration you know but um uh, you know that's just in my hands you know
0: sure well dr snyder likes to call prp stem cell life
1: oh i love it yeah <laughs> well it is it's uh it's the food right
2: yeah or poor man's stem cell Dr. Yeah. Snyder,
0: have you, uh, have you seen any success with PRP only in ACL tears? I,
2: you know, we haven't, we haven't used it in, and I, I think if we're gonna, if we're gonna have an effect, most of the people want to use the stem cells. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure that PRP is going to have much effect. It has, you know, I just, a we call them a buttload of, of, uh, um, Chemokines and cytokines, things that are going to attract other cells, things that are going to ramp down the inflammation in these uh, in these joints. Um, mm-hmm. They're food, um, like Dr. Gianellis was saying, they're food for these stem cells. They they work together so well with a with a cell. So I, uh, you know, right now I don't think there's an indication for just doing PRP unless you're just wanting to take maybe on a partial tear that you're just wanting to take some of the inflammation out. But that right. would be about the only reason I would think to to do that. I mean, yeah. just looking at it and and uh, trying
1: to yeah. The cases we use PRP were basically arthritic dogs, um, hip dysplasia, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. It was yours? And it, in my hands, it's always been like a thirty day kind of a thirty day thing. It lasts about a month.
3: But mm-hmm. well,
2: for some people, it it served to you know they didn't want to they didn't want to you know pull the trigger on on stem cells, but they wanted to see if it would work. And we were able to go ahead and use the, use the PRP. And they mm-hmm. saw the benefit and say, well, if you like that for 30 days, then we can do the stem cells. And uh, yeah. then that worked
1: out a lot better for them. Mm-hmm. We have, yeah. some You know, again, we're in a, an economically, you know, challenged area and, uh, you know, I've lived here all my life, so I can say that. Um, and so people, they want, if they want some results, you know, like so, we might go to more like Adequan injections with uh, MSM and vitamin C, vitamin E and, and do stuff like that, which we have a product that uh, just loaded with good antioxidants that really seems to work well too. But so we kind of use all these things together.
2: Would you, that, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, It's not just, it, it's not just a one, one shot, you know, it's not just the stem cells it's the nutrition it's the post-surgical care it's everything together it's it's the the use of your new of the of the nutraceuticals the 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 building blocks that these stem yeah. cells are going to need what what yeah. are you what are you using what what do you recommend to your clients to use as far as i assume it's probably a, a glucosamine chondroitin msm well, it is.
1: It's one that's made by Kemen and Vet Classics. It's uh, called Reflex Ultra, and it has like vitamin C, vitamin E, MSM, glucosamine, lipoic acid, turn the muscle, all this stuff in there. It's even got a little creatine and uh, uh, selenium in there too for muscle strength. But um, it's a very just potent antioxidant blend with you know with glucosamine as well. But it's not it's not uh, the regular veterinary products. You know, it's it's made by Vet Classics. Because that's. That's one that's worked well in, in your, in uh, your hands. Very which, well. The, which feed, is, the feedback on that product has been phenomenal. It's been pretty amazing. But, and it's, it's,
2: that's why I, and I think I was telling Dylan, every time I'm on this, on this webinar, I, I learn something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, different ways to do th- different products that people use different, different thing. I think it's a, it's a very yeah. valuable thing. So that's something to, to keep yeah. in mind and, and use. Yeah. Appreciate that.
0: Sure. Dr. Gianellis kind of going back to sweet pea is probably the case that kickstarted everything for you. Probably your most memorable case to date. What has been uh, your most challenging case that you got a good result uh, out of or, or what was one of the other cases that you wanted to present to us this evening
1: well there, there was a dog his, <laughs> his name is Harry he's a child and uh, his his birth date is uh, April of 2009 um, this was a dog the ladies the, the owner really loved this dog of course a lot of all our owners love their dogs but this this owner was particularly um, you know one of those owners that was just really you know very adamant you know she was the personality type as well so this dog she loved and she loves and dog's still alive of course but um the um the dog was so which in such pain he would whimper Uh, we have a lot of a lot of hurting dogs and none of them really whimper much and of course we know that as veterinarians you know it's very hard to read pain and stuff like that but we know when you just touch them a certain way, they hurt, but they're not telling their owners a lot of times. This dog was literally in severe pain, was whimpering all the time. This owner was um, wanted to do stem cells. She had read about it. and She actually came to us and she was searching and she found us. So we ended up doing stem cells in February of 2018. So this is about a year after a year after we got started with you guys and we x-rayed the dog and worked the dog up and the dog had um you know really significant hip dysplasia with the right side being a lot worse and probably some of the most worst spondylosis i think i've ever seen and the dog had i don't know if it was a previous injury or whatever but at the t3 t4 level t4 t5 level the spondylosis was so bad it was excess, there was an exostosis going on and you could actually palpate it was not only ventral spine it was dorsal spine it was I'd never seen a case like that to be honest with you but it was so palpable that you could actually you could actually feel it you know up, up along the transverse processes of the spine and up in the t3 t4 area so kind of between the shoulder blades so basically we did our harvesting this person also had done her research and she wanted to bank some stem cells. So we banked uh, stem cells for this owner. It's the only time we banked actually, to be honest with you, and that's something where we should probably think more about and would probably see the value of that. And I and I understand breeds that are prone to it, there's talk about doing it at uh, spaying and neutering, you know, that kind of thing. they doing the harvest and then banking, yes. but getting back, um, we injected this dog's hips i mean this dog was so bad it could hardly even walk we injected his hips and we actually were able to inject the spine believe it or not because we could palpate you know lesions and i you know i'm i'm thinking you know you got to get to the cassettes, you got to get ventrally but of course there's a big you know you know there's a, a big uh, spinal cord there so i just infused the area with some step with some cells um basically then went and had about um you know i only did about a half cc in that area and then i went uh, a, a pretty large amount of a one and a quarter cc's iv to treat the spondylosis and that dog had a first re- prp and that dog had a really positive response and really did well for like six to eight months the owner has a um, had a had a website for Harry, or was tracking it, and it's amazing, and then about a year later, the dog started going backwards, um, and, you know, he's an older child with pretty significant arthritis, so, um, you know, that was the other big question, how long does it ever really last, so, anyway, um, we thought out, we contacted you guys, you shipped us out the, uh, the frozen uh, banked stem cells, and we reinjected this dog, And that when we did that, we just did his hips. I didn't infuse the spine area and just went IV. And the dog has responded again. And we did that in April of 2019. And now we're coming into 2020 and the dog has been doing extremely well.
0: So that's a really interesting case as well. Good story. No, that's a, that's an excellent case. And I think it speaks to, the importance of what Dr. and ne- Dr. Snyder and I discussed in January of doing that bank now save later spay neuter program, um, getting yeah. themselves banked for the lifetime of the pet. We're now offering lifetime banking for 695. That's a new option. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, reach out. We'd love to send you some literature on it, but essentially it's like taking an insurance policy out on your pet. So if something were to happen in the future, or for example, if you do a stem cell, you bank those extra vials with us. Something happens where the dog takes a downslide. You get an example like this where you're really able to impact that animal a second time, which I think is very valuable.
1: Yeah, uh, I, it, I know it's heading in this all. It's all heading in this direction, right? Immunotherapy and regenerative medicine, and it makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. for sure.
0: So I know you had one more case that you wanted to present to us this evening, Dr. Gianellis, and we'd love to hear it. Okay. All right. This one. This one is a. Uh, it's a black lab named Annie. She was born in uh,
1: 20, 2007 in the spring of 2007. Um, she was. She's a dog that's been coming to us uh, as a puppy, and then got old and really started to go downhill. She, this is one of those labs that has chronic atopic dermatitis with the ears. Um, this dog also had uh, allergic tracheal bronchitis for years. Um, it's the type of dog that would really, you could hear hear her breathing across the room. Um, she was presenting with lots of pain, lots of panting um, over the years. Um, she was on she was really um on a lot of medications she was even on uh, gabapentin she's you know we had her on prednisone we've used had to use a lot of um, you know cortisones on this dog over the years because of the allergies Um, so basically the owner was kind of at his wit's end in um at september of 2018 and she decided to do stem cells. We gave her some cases. Um, you know, we talked about sweet pea. We talked about hairy. Um, and so she wanted to give it a try. So basically, we this dog had some, again, some severe spondylosis. Um, hence, the dog was always panting, always in pain. It was pretty active. It was more lumbar spondylosis and had a very significant uh, L7 sacral joint, um, you know, disease, uh, arthritis, as well as having, you know, pretty significant hip dysplasia, but also had developed degenerative myelopathy. So, you know, we had heard that, um, and we had studied a little bit about using stem cells for degenerative myelopathy, and that's a very frustrating problem. So we actually said, let's do it. And we did it. The interesting thing about this dog, she, she had, she took a little while to respond. Um, it didn't happen as quick as Harry and some of the other dogs we've had success with. Um, but over the course of the next six months, the dog really improved to the point where was walking extremely much better. The, the degenerative myelopathy was the thing I was interested in a lot and uh, it was improved. Um, and the other very significant thing is all that kind of like loud breathing allergy stuff went away. And so the dog was very comfortable. The owners were very happy. Um, and so <clears throat> that was, um, you know, a time frame where, again, always the question I get is how long is it going to last? And I always my standard answer is, you know, we don't really know yet. There's, it's such a new modality and, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, maybe maybe three to four years, we're hoping, and that's what we, we talk about, but we, we really don't know. So, um, that was September of 2018. I just saw the dog the other day, and um, the dog's respiratory and allergy symptoms are well under control. The hips, like, we have this dog on Reflex Ultra as well, but when I do my exams in the exam room, uh, you know I'm always pressing the ball into the socket, and you know those dogs that hurt really respond, and it's something that you can gauge pretty easily. This dog didn't respond well; uh, or it didn't have any pa- any pain in the hips. The biggest thing I was seeing is that maybe the degenerative myelopathy was getting a little worse uh, again. And but all in all, the dog was extremely comfortable. The dog was doing well. wasn't walking before going on walks before the stem cells and the owner said goes on a walk every day with her you know at least a mile and a half two miles you know and this dog is now what um, she is you know approaching 13 so so and so it's another successful case Um, I just did a German Shepherd a month uh, three weeks ago now for specifically degenerative myelopathy. This dog also had spondylosis, but um, it's a German Shepherd, about 11 years old, and we're we're primarily trying to treat its degenerative myelopathy problem with stem cells. So that's an ongoing case right now. I don't have any other information on that case.
2: Dr. Gianellis, if I could, you were talking about the breathing problem on on the last dog. How long after you treated the, or, use the stem cells did you notice an improvement in the breathe? the reason i'm asking is you see a lot of dogs or we see a lot of dogs with this uh, allergic bronchitis uh yeah. old dog lungs and we've used some on these dogs that respond very well but it takes a little bit of time it was it was taking two or three weeks on some well abuse. like
1: i said this dog the owners report to me was you know it didn't seem it took a long time in her estimation and it so i would say it took several months and and but then it did sh- it did show an improvement
2: that's that's uh we've seen that with some of these autoimmune diseases i know we talk about it with cats with this with a stomatitis or chronic stomatitis and uh-huh. sometimes the atopy sometimes these atopy dogs uh we've had some that we thought were a failure. We you evaluate them at 90 days. There was no, there was no improvement, or you did not gauge an improvement. But you see them the next spring, like six months after they had the stem cells, and the yeah. skin's perfect, and they no longer have any, any allergies. And I, I think it just takes longer on these immune systems to reset these T cells to get this, to get these antigen-presenting cells calmed down.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I've just been. Uh... You know, I find it's, it's it's a hard thing to always measure, right? So if you're a real true scientist, you know, everyone thinks this is anecdotal stuff, and they talk about right, right, placebo and all this stuff. But really, I mean, I I I've been blessed with good owners who uh, have taken. They just are really. These are the types of owners that you get that just are very astute to their animals' everyday well-being. Right. You know, so.
2: Well, if the stem cells stimulate a placebo effect, so be it.
1: Yeah exactly <laughs> no
2: it's it's one of those to where if people want to want to uh want to blame it on placebo it's just i've noticed with these immune system these autoimmune i was i was hoping uh uh i just talked to a veterinarian earlier today that was treating an IMHA dog an immune mediated um, wow. uh, hemolytic anemia with stem oh, wow. cells and i was really excited to, to, um, really wanting to follow that uh that yeah. case because I think it's, yeah. it's going to be positive.
0: Can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> awesome. So <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and open it up for questions. I'm going to take all, all of you in the audience off of you. So don't be shy. Go ahead and type into the chat if you don't want to speak. But we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get some uh, some engagement this evening. Looks like I already have a, a question coming up in the chat right now. So, is there a benefit of allograft of stem cells versus autograft if the patient seems to be physically or genetically compromised? Uh, for example, a dog with some congenital issues such as uh, wobblers and hip dysplasia.
2: Boy, that's a... That, that, wow. Um, mm-hmm.
1: That's a good question.
2: I don't, I don't, think, I don't think as far as a fat goes, it's going to make any difference. Um, I'm not sure that you're going to see... We're, we're not really looking at the at the stem cells as far as as the the genetic material. I don't think it's going to to matter. Um, the the allogeneic, the the ones from another dog. We have we have done that with two litter mates, um, the the Irish Wolfhounds years ago. That uh, one of them had pretty bad hip dysplasia, and her sister um, was all a cardiomyopathy dog and didn't really want to anesthetize her, but we used the SVF from one on the other successfully. I would not I, I would caution anyone thinking about if we're talking about using stem cells, we'd want to use cultured stem cells if we're doing allogeneic, um, but using... SVF, because there's so many other cells in SVF, there could be problems. So kind of, kind of careful, careful if you're, if you're thinking about using stem cells from another animal, I would probably like to see those cells cultured
0: and just use the the cultured stem cells if I was doing, if I was doing anything. Sure. And Dr. Snyder, could you just touch on the benefit of using those autologous stem cells as opposed to allogeneic in, in some cases? Oh
2: yeah, the 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 autologous those are self, so those are those are the animal's own cells. So we're not we're not concerned about any kind of a rejection or any kind of an immune immune rejection on those cells. Allogeneic, allogeneic are from the they break it autologous are from the animals that you took the the cells from, allogeneic are from another dog. So they'd be using a dog stem cells on a on a dog. And a xenogenic are going to be using from a different species, um, and there's some talk about doing that too. But um, allogeneic is it's coming, um, but we've still got a lot of work to do on it. There there may be some concerns about about um, immune um, mm-hmm. rejection to some degree. Right. Or I don't think it's going to be major, but there is still some concern about a little bit of rejection. I don't think we want to do that until we've got some. Some pretty
0: good research in the bank on that yeah that's a that's a really good question so another question that came into the chat uh, where can one harvest the fat from a cat safely Uh, right would it be the fat pad on the belly
2: i've done it there i've done it on the fat pad on the belly my my number one my number one uh source is still the fossil form yeah Um, that's what i use yeah it's just as easy as it's as easy as spaying Spaying an animal, so just going and get the false form if you can. If it's a big fat cat and have a and has a lot of those those inguinal fat pads, um, I've done that as well. I've taken fat successfully. Um, mm-hmm. Leaves a leaves a little. Well, you've got to got to be concerned there with with a little dead area, a little void that you've taken the fat from, the seromas. Um, that's. Mm-hmm. Um, I know originally when we started back years ago, it was harvesting the fat from under the shoulder blade, around the right. shoulder, but it did leave a, did did leave a void, and we had uh, some some seroma formation on those. The the uh, false no problem.
0: Okay. Any other questions? Love for anybody to to reach out and engage with us. We want to hear from you if you have any questions for Dr. Gianellis this evening or Dr. Snyder, uh, we're, here to, uh, we're here to respond to you. So here's one, uh, Dr. Gianellis, what have you found to be your home run cases for stem cell therapy? What can you look at a case that comes in the door and say, hey, I know I can treat this with stem cell and I feel very confident that we're gonna get a great result?
1: Well, it's it's basically um, all of our older large breed dogs that are coming in are, are really, you know, responding the best. Um, so I would say, you know, hip dysplasia, any kind of uh, joint arthritis, spondylosis has done, you know, we've been seeing, you know, usually you have spondylosis concurrently with hip dysplasia in our cases. And so, you know, it's just a great modality because you you're kind of hitting all those areas. Um, with one treatment rather than individual treatments for individual areas so it's really great so that's that's where we that's where we really we, we include it in all of our pain management breakdowns with all large breed dogs. Dr. Gianellis
2: have you have you used epidurals any epidurals on on these dogs with a spondylosis and the lower lumbar or lumbar area spondylosis? I
1: have not I have not.
2: It's- it's a neat, it's a neat way to, it's a neat way to treat them. Your, your caudaquina, of course, the spinal cord ends, what, at L4, 5, maybe not yeah. like at L3, 4. So you've just got the caudaquina back uh, and get the stem, stem cells and elevate that, that uh, pelvis a little bit to get the cells rolling uh, anterior and bathe okay. those nerve roots. But it's a, it's a neat way to do it. It's a, it's an easy injection to do.
1: Yeah. Say I'll have to. The, I'll have to definitely. Um, you know, I after actually the first even,
2: thousand, it gets easier.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, I have not done that, so I will actually look into that.
2: It's a. If there's, a, I, I just talked to another veterinarian, and we were. Uh, of course, a lot of people don't do epidurals, but if there's a a cadaver that you can practice on, it's it's an easy injection to do. I use a, an older veterinarian yeah. and taught me to use my thumb thumb and second finger as your yep. first finger is pointing toward the toward the tail yeah your thumb and second finger are on the the wings of the ilium rock the first yeah. finger down you find the 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 fossa right there it's an yeah. easy
1: injection to well you that see encourages. i'm a large animal vet as well yeah you no know it. so i i've done a lot of cattle <laughs> epidurals. i can tell you that but we just have yep. not done a lot of uh you know small animal epidurals i did have a a cat case that we have successfully treated with stem cells which is like what you just described it was um it was a cat with a 7 sacral disease um it was one of our in our first year um and that cat has responded very well and it was i infused the area and then went so i i basically was doing an epidural um and uh i have one i have one case like that actually and uh and then I went to rest IV, of course, so.
2: Yep, always IV, but try the try the epidural. It's it's quite interesting. And you can, I mean. I- are you if, saying if the all,
1: all lumbar all lumbar, uh, spondylosis or are you just saying L7 sacral disease? No,
2: all lumbar. You're going to roll it. You're going to roll these cells up as you elevate it. It's going to bathe those nerve roots as well as go around right. that spinal cord. So you're going to go anterior. I don't know how far. Right. But you're going to bathe that's those the, nerve roots.
1: Right. Got it. Well, thank you for that.
0: Oh, heck, it's uh, it's always fun. This is so yeah. much fun to do. <laughs> so I got another question that just came into the chat. Uh, could a wobbler be treated with epidural injection of stem cells?
2: Well, that's putting it a long ways. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That would be a, a wobbler's up at that axis and uh, –
1: How about trying to inject into the uh, lesion in the
2: spine in the cervical spine? You know. I think if if you're maybe ultrasound guided or get it get it there or possibly even doing an intrathecal up in that area. Mm -hmm. I'm not real comfortable with intrathecals. I know a lot of people are very comfortable doing intrathecals, but Uh, certainly (laughs) it's a lot of people that use them really like intrathecal injections. They've no problem, no problem at all. Hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, if you can if you can get it toward that den, say if it's a true wobblers, an ununited den, uh, get it into that area. I've done uh, some, uh, you know, ununited ant processes and shoulders. If you can guide it into that that separation site, that fracture site, yeah, it yeah. will stimulate it will st- stimulate uh, the reattachment.
1: Really, so you there, you had success yeah. with that. Right. they
2: we have we've had one that the university had done surgery on trying to reattach mm-hmm. and uh, this long term i mean this was years probably two years after they'd done that, and we went in with stem cells, and the dog has been doing well since then mm-hmm. so wow it Very it is nice. it's amazing it's amazing peter the the um uh, the the things when when our clinic started in 2010 with these. It was just for arthritis. That's all we use it for. since then, my right. God, you can
1: you can use it on anything. Mhm. <laughs> I shouldn't Amazing. say that, but <laughs> it's, it's well. I very... mean, there is a study going on uh, in chronic renal failure in cats. From what I yes. heard, is that mm-hmm. still true? Yes. Or? Still yeah.
2: going. Um. And it Colorado State did. Uh. Mm-hmm. Did that? They were. They were. Um. A Well. When I talked. Uh, when I talked to them, they were really interested because the BUN and creatinine did not respond all that much, but the cats mm-hmm. acted so much better. Yeah, the cats were the cats were eating. The cats acted better. The owners were happy.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so that um, I think we've got a ways to go on canine uh, renal failure,
3: mm-hmm. but I
2: I just don't think we're we're attacking it right
0: yet. That's going to come. with mm-hmm. it. That's going to come with, it. or maybe we're attacking too late. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, Dr. Snyder hasn't uh, hasn't Dr. England treated a number of renal failure felines
2: in cat. Yeah, she's used both uh, Dr. Ann England down in uh, uh, Montgomery, Alabama, delight to talk to. Um, mm-hmm. Has treated um, them with both stem cells and PRP. Uh, not only injecting, not only injecting. Um, IV, but also perirenal. Just, I think she was going uh, abdominal toward, kind of making her injections toward the kidneys, or if you can get into that perirenal fossa mm. around the kidney. I even uh, talked to one veterinarian that had injected into the kidney. Yeah. Bilateral, wow. bilateral, intrarenal injections. Uh, it made me cringe a, cringe a little bit, but yeah. she said, oh, the, the urine was a little bit. Bloody for, the, for part of a day, and then it cleared up. Uh, cat's been doing
1: great, wow. so
2: maybe maybe that's the route we need to go. I don't know.
1: I know. Yeah, that's that's definitely invasive a little bit, right?
2: Yeah, it it was not yeah. probably the and it may it was probably a what do they call those happy accidents?
3: It may right. have actually
2: actually been the be the best yeah. the best mode of injection. <laughs> right Dr. Snyder yes it's David Bird. hey uh, David about that um I was just uh, I didn't want to I didn't want to say anything didn't want to say anything about that but if you're uh David you mind if I tell a little bit about the case David
3: it it was it was actually a thrombocytopenia not
2: a an IMHA okay
3: yeah
2: (laughs) that's that's phenomenal um
3: but I found, I found a couple of articles on the human side that the umbilical umbilical uh, stem cells were used to treat that in people with usually a response within 12 days on the average, 7 to, I think, 16. And at 12 oh, wow. and 24 months, they were all normal. So I'll see how this dog is.
2: Please in keep a couple us. Of weeks. Please keep us in the loop on that one. That,
3: I've, uh, I've always, I talked,
2: yeah, yeah. I've always thought that, you know, in talking to some of the experts on IMHA and thrombocytopenia, that they're you know they're fine, they're steroid responsive. Usually, the dog does pretty well, but they never get them off of it. Um, yeah, that's the dogs the dogs are on steroids. you try to taper them off, they do fine, then they relapse, and you're constantly battling that. I've always thought stem cells might be the answer, but I was never sure how to go ahead and use steroids, get them stable with steroids, and then use the stem cells or kind of how that how that looks. You've got kind of an ideal
3: because this dog's not on any steroids. It's not, and because I was doing the HDL, I didn't want to use any I considered right. giving him IV and Christine, but that's immunosuppressive, so I didn't want to do anything there. So we're just... Going with this, and if he his platelet count was zero, so it can't get any worse. And <laughs> I've, never a, I've never seen a zero before. And like I said, we had switched over from IDEX to a Bacchus and I ran two that came out of zero. We called technical support, and then I checked two other dogs, um, my own dogs, and their platelet the count were normal. And then I ran wow. this patient again that came back zero again, so it wasn't the equipment. Wow. Um, So by the time I all said, I figured all that out, I said, well, we're going to go with it anyway, but I'll keep you posted. One other thing you mentioned about the atopic dogs, I treated a dog, it's been a month now, and she had actually been a client of mine for 40 years. And I was traveling a lot with the other pharmaceutical companies, speaking for them that I do, and my associate was working on this severe photodermatitis and had done culture, it was MRS. And finally, she and her husband got frustrated and left our practice, which kind of crushed me. But she was gone for about two years. And then a friend of hers, whose dog I treated, that uh, had a previous TPLO and developed, course, arthritis. And then I treated that and it was awesome, pretty much. And then the other knee, I also injected, which I always do, and she ended up about a month later blowing that one, and which was like four years after the TTLO. All that was all fine. Anyway, Mindy came back to it and giving the IV, I've got pictures a week later, but I did not take them that day, and I don't know why I did, but I mean, the toes were actually spread apart, but within a week, they were probably 75% better, now four weeks, their her feet are almost completely normal, um, great. They've been seven years. I think some of these responses may be quicker. And yeah, I would definitely you. say give IV everything and the bank everything.
2: I know that uh, Tom Newland always uh, his were always his atopy dogs always responded very rapidly. And I don't know if it's the dogs, I don't know if it's the area, the antigens. Uh-huh. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what it is, David, but it's. Uh, yeah. If either way, if they respond rapidly, it's good. Uh, I just kind of warn the owner, not warn the owners, but kind of talk to the owners about, you know, this may take a while for us to see effect. Yeah. And that way the owners them, are. I tell them
3: six months, and then if it's better in a month, you're, you, yeah, you're, you're, you're a star. You're a hero. But I, do, <laughs> yeah. I just want to say to everybody on this, I do appreciate more than you know out of your busy schedule taking time to. Give me your advice on what to do with that it means much so i, oh, I, I, I have and I, I really do appreciate it absolutely
2: anytime anytime david i think all okay. the people on anybody on this anybody on this webinar would be more than happy to help another practitioner Agreed.
0: Mm-hmm. agree <laughs> all right and are Dylan, there any, more, uh, uh, any more questions did i cut someone off i apologize no, I just said Dylan. You sound like Josh. Oh, <laughs> I get that a lot. Actually, I feel like.
3: Well, he he's much prettier.
1: sorry,
3: sorry Dylan, sorry. Go I've seen both of them. I'm not going there.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, we had uh, we had Doctor Bird in the office not too long ago. <laughs> made, the trip, uh, made the trip to Lexington. Dr. Gene Ellis has got to make it sometime soon. Yep, I'm I'm. I'm going to be doing it in April. Awesome, awesome. Well, I think I think with that, I think that's all the time we have for the evening. Thank you, everybody, for, for joining us tonight. I do want to make a couple quick notes before we end things. Uh, next month, we're going to be doing this in a different format. So our president, Thomas Masterson, is going to be offering an opportunity for you guys to get some CE uh, at the same time. So it's just going to be March 11th. That's that second Wednesday in March at 8 PM. So same time as these webinars are, he's going to be giving two, two credit hours of CE. Uh, it's going to be a 90 minute discussion on regenerative medicine and what, uh, what Medivet Biologics is doing. So oh, wow. if you're interested yep. in that, please give us a call, shoot us an email. We'll get you signed up and registered and uh, you can, you can get some, you can get some CE. Uh, additionally, we are going to be at WVC next week. Uh, if you're going to be in attendance, we're going to be at booth 1911. So let us know if you'll be there. Give us a holler, shoot us an email. We'd love to connect with you. I think we're going to be hosting a cocktail hour out there in Las Vegas as well. So it should be an excellent time. Um, so reach out to us if you want to join us, join us on the CE or if, uh, or if you'll be in, in Las Vegas next week at the WBC. Um, on that note, thank you all for joining us once again. Thank you, Dr. Snyder. Thank you, Dr. Oh, Jim Ellis. Um, You're welcome. Follow us on Facebook. That's Medivet Biologics. Reach out to us by phone, 859-885-7111 or shoot us an email, info at medivetbiologics.com. Don't forget, you can find this podcast on iTunes. That's Medivet Roundtable. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a five-star review. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your night.